The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Cruise Radio is brought to you in part by tripinsurance.com. Travel insurance done right by the people who know travel insurance. Get a quote today at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, what's up? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here. Uh, a couple things before we get to the show. Don't forget we are on Snapchat. About to hop on a three-night river cruise up the mighty Mississippi on a paddle wheeler. So looking forward to that. Follow along on Snapchat. Just search us uh, Cruise Radio. Also, if you want to hook up with us on our Cruise Radio Facebook page, just search Cruise Radio News. Join the group. Join the conversation and uh, the arguments that ensue. A lot of entertainment there. Just search Cruise Radio News on Facebook. A little later on in the program, Shelly from CruisingExcursions.com is going to stop by and answer your questions about Mediterranean shore excursions. But first, we always like to get your cruise reviews here on the show. If you have one you'd like to share, shoot me an email, Doug, at CruiseRadio.net. Vicki and her husband just returned from a, a mega-long trip to Europe. They did a 12-night cruise on Island Princess from Rome to Venice and then stayed on board and did a transatlantic from Venice to Fort Lauderdale. Vicky's on the line right now. How you doing, Vicky? Hi, Doug. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too, my dear. So I want to talk all about these two cruises you did. But before we get to the ship itself, the Island Princess, let's take a step back and give us some pre-cruise thoughts. Uh, what made you want to take a 12-night and then a 19-night? And how in the hell did you get that much time off work? <laughs> I know a lot of people ask us that, but uh, it's actually quite the... Well, first of all, we live in Canada, so we tend to get a little bit more vacation. And then um, we, you know, we have to work all the holidays. So I was working Christmas and I was working New Year's Day. So we get two extra weeks in lieu of that. So we team them all up together okay. and we try to do it in groups. Yeah. Very nice. Now, uh, give us some pre-cruise thoughts about why you picked Island Princess in the Med. Well, I didn't specifically seek out the Island Princess, but the time that we had scheduled for our vacation was late October, you know, November. And we wanted to go off season for sure. And the Island Princess was going into Venice. And back when they were planning and scheduling ships, this is when they weren't sure how strict the regulations were going to be on the size of ships. So all the lines were putting in smaller ships into Venice. Mm -hmm. You probably can speak more on that. But so they put the Island Princess, which is a smaller ship in there. And um, it actually went through a retrofit. They moved it all the way from the um, Panama, it was doing Panama, and they moved it over to Europe for the whole year to uh, do the, uh, the med cruises that visited Venice. Now, you live in Vancouver, up there in uh, Western Canada, and you had to get to Rome. So give us uh, some logistics there. I know you had to fly, but did you go in early, or what did you do? Yeah, this was both of our uh, first time in the Mediterranean. So we were really going to go all out, and we were also celebrating a, a big anniversary. So we chose to go in five days early. And mainly because, well, we have, a like, the time change was, was it nine hours, oh, I think it was? Yeah, yeah, nine hours. 
the flight actually was quite nice because leaving from Vancouver, we were actually able to, we were able to fly with British Airways, Vancouver to London. And so they fly over the pole. So that was only like a nine and a half hour flight <laughs> right. where that's how much it takes us to fly to Fort Lauderdale. Mm-hmm. Really? It was actually quite a nice flight. And then we had a short turnaround and then we flew from uh, London into Rome. And so we left um, late at night in Vancouver and we arrived about the same amount of time, but in Rome the next day. Very nice. Uh, now, you stayed a little bit pre-cruise before you got on the ship in Rome. We'll talk about that on a different episode because I want to do a deep dive on your whole med experience as a first timer. But let's uh, fast forward to you get to the cruise pier in Rome. How was embarkation for you? Very, very smooth. You know, because it is a bit of a distance away from the center of Rome, you tend to not find the groups coming en masse like you would in Port Everglades. Mm -hmm. So we arrived at about 2 o'clock. We took the train, and uh, we pretty much walked right on. There were no lines at all. I think maybe 15 minutes, and um, we were on board and in our cabin. This was your first time over in the Med. Were you uh, the least bit nervous about uh, embarking in another country? No, not at all. No? Interesting. <laughs> um, we had uh, sailed out of other places, like we boarded once in Rio de Janeiro mm-hmm. and, and oh, other so things like that. that. So we, we kind of knew. And no, no, not at all. Now, you've been on Island Princess before, and it just underwent a massive refit. So what were your first impressions when you boarded this time around? We had sailed the Island Princess uh, quite a few times, um, mainly on the Pacific coast and then through the Panama, and it was sister ship to the Coral. Mm -hmm. The Coral had had a few changes, but the island in May was in dry dock for a whole month and had massive changes. If anybody has seen a picture of the island, and I'm pretty sure you'll post up a picture with the the, uh, interview here, Mm -hmm. the act of it is all cabins and then there's like the steel so it's kind of an ugly aft now it looks like it got rear-ended or something (laughs) but uh yeah it certainly isn't as attractive and if you remember on the funnel they used to have those kind of turbos on the side look Mm -hmm. like a spaceship those were sadly removed so maybe Uh. the ship doesn't go as fast anymore (laughs) (laughs) yeah what, what are those on the funnel are those just for looks I think they were, although I'm I'm not really good mechanically. So, yeah, yeah I'm pretty sure that they were just for show. Um, but, yeah, they were removed. I was going to say, because going 15 knots, it has nothing to do with the aerodynamic of the cruise ship. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. So it went through quite a massive change. It removed the lounge that was in the aft of the Island Prince, which, which was called the Universe Lounge. Mm-hmm. And although it was never one of my favorite lounges because it was two floors, and that second floor was pretty much useless unless you were in the first row because of the sight lines were just just horrible. So the the Universe Lounge was taken out and all cabins were put in the aft section of the ship. And if before there used to be these beautiful public areas or decks right off the back of the ship that I used to love to go to, if you, especially if you're going through the Panama Canal. Mm-hmm. But, of course, those areas don't make any revenue. So it made sense for Princess to do what they've done. However, I personally thought it had dramatically affected the, the ship and um, being on board. Some of the other little changes that they did was they removed the gym that used to be up on the top deck. And they put it inside on deck six, I believe. So now it's an enclosed room with no windows at all. And it's very, quite sterile. 
They also moved the children's club area also inside, totally enclosed, up on one of the higher decks in the aft. And then they have a whole bunch of new suites and cabins all out out on that area from deck six up. And uh, they're beautiful cabins. I, I had a chance to see a few of them. And they all had the beautiful flat screen TVs on the wall. And they're sort of like, like cabins from the Royal Princess or the Regal, if anybody has been on those. So they have the little slot slot that you have to put your cruise card in to get the lights mm-hmm. to come on. And um, and they have the look of what the Royal and the Regal cabins look like. You said the gym had no windows in it, very sterile, which is kind of depressing because that's a big motivation for me is actually getting on the <laughs> treadmill, running up there and looking out the window. Yeah, that that is something that will maybe get me to the gym. Yeah, you're like, yeah, yeah whatever. <laughs> I don't go to the gym on a cruise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, it reminded me of gyms of years gone by. I remember when I first started sailing and I sailed on um, Carnival Ecstasy. Mm-hmm. You know, that gym was just sad. I mean, right. I, it was a little room with a rolling machine and one treadmill or something. So so that's what this sort of thing reminded me. Although, you know, we did see quite a few people in it. It just, it was kind of depressing. Let's talk about the staterooms. What kind of stateroom did you have and what were your thoughts of it? We had booked Emerald Deck, which is uh, the deck just above the promenade deck, so deck eight, which is great access forward. And we had had this cabin once when we did a Panama Canal, so we knew it was ideal. It was perfect. It was just a, it was just a balcony. I shouldn't say that, but it was a balcony, ample space for 31 days on board, and uh, really easy to get to many of the places. As you were on deck eight, so it was one deck down to the promenade. You were forward, so it was it was a nice cabin. I know that Island Princess is one of the smaller ships. Uh, does it have that, the balcony cabins have that uh, walk-in closet type thing? Yes, the cabins look almost identical to what you would expect on okay. almost all princess ships. So you'd walk in, you have kind of like that walk-in closet, mm-hmm. and then you have the cupboard, and then also the bathroom right there. So you have a little bit of space to get ready, perhaps if you're sharing a cabin with somebody else. Cool. Let's talk about the dining aboard Island Princess, uh, and we'll start at the top at the Horizon Court and go down from there. So uh, what did you think about the Horizon Court? Now, this is one area that Princess changed during the dry dock as well, and it is similar to what they've done to many of their ships where they've sort of streamlined it so there's no more like curves where the tables are, where you're kind of going in and out. Uh, now it's more streamlined, straight down, easier to access and flow. And the food area is has also been improved immensely, where it was so easy to get to the different stations. And it didn't feel crowded, as I've noticed on other ships. You know, we actually dined probably about 75% of the time in the Horizon Court this voyage because it was such a port-intensive cruise. Right. And I think the Horizon Court is probably the best we have ever had on any of the princess ships. Nice. Um, I commend them. Yeah, it was the food and the service up there was top notch. Nice. I love me some Horizon Court. And you're right, especially those those long port intensive days. Always good to just mm-hmm. go up there in a casual atmosphere get you some Mm -hmm. food, and then uh, proceed with your night. Let's talk about uh, the main dining room. I know you didn't spend a lot of time in there, but uh, what time dining did you have? Well, we always do any time, and the Island Princess has two dining rooms, which are off the atrium. So it doesn't have like that normal aft dining room that most of the ships have. Mm -hmm. And because they've added all these extra cabins, and I'm sorry, I can't even give you the exact number of added berths, but 
you know, it has, you know, you're talking at least 300 more, 300 to 500 more people. Mm -hmm. And this has, I feel, impacted the public dining offers. So there's no international cafe on this ship. So again, there's another venue that you just don't have to go and get a quick meal at. So your only options for things like breakfast and lunch are the dining room or the um, Horizon Court. And at lunch, of course, you could go to Alfredo's or you could go have pizza or a hamburger and room service is always there. But we noticed getting into the dining room was very, very difficult. On the first leg, it seemed that later in the evening was very difficult to get a table. And on the second leg, where it tended to be much older passengers, Trying to get a table early, just forget it. You had to wait at least until 7.30 when, like, the first seating of people would have been out of the dining room. But when we did eat in the dining room, we had excellent service. Again, the food was fabulous. They certainly tried to accommodate. It's not the fault of the workers that are there that this is happening, but... Sadly, I wouldn't probably sail Island Princess again because of this um, impact with the new cabins. Interesting. Now, this ship does not have the normal Princess Crown Grill, which I did not know, but it does have the Bayou Cafe in there. And uh, did you eat in there at all? Yeah, we uh, really like the Bayou Cafe. It has a really kind of a Louisiana Cajun feel to it, Mm -hmm. and uh, it's always a nice uh, break from the other dining venues. Nice. Now, does this ship uh, transform and do like the Crab Shack at all or anything like that? Yes, this ship was offering the Crab Shack up in the Horizon Court. We didn't happen to do it because we've done it a few times, Mm -hmm. but we did dine in the bayou. We did dine at Alfredo's one night, and what's really nice is on this ship, they don't have a designated Alfredo's restaurant like the Royal and the Regal have, Mm -hmm. but they're Sabatini's restaurant turns into Alfredo's at lunchtime and opens up. And of course, that's a free of charge venue for you to enjoy at lunchtime. And then, of course, they sometimes will do the um, pub, which is offered in the, um, I think it was in the Bayou Cafe that they did it. But, you know, we didn't attend to it because we actually love Alfredo's and we ate there a lot. Nice. How, how much was a surcharge at the Bayou Cafe? Both the Bayou and Sabatini's are $25, which is an excellent value. And, you know, food was really good. Service was good. But, again, I think Princess needs to focus on um, making sure that it's a a special evening when you're going to dine there. So we often found service to be lacking at times when it got busy. But um, I would like to see them. And I did mention that in my reviews to them. Mm. Interesting. Uh, Let's move on here and talk about entertainment. How was entertainment aboard Island Princess for you? Wow. You know, you think that you're on for 31 days, you're going to get bored. Mm -hmm. Totally impossible. (laughs) They had so many port lecturers on or lecturers about the history of the area, the ports. They had lectures about um, different um, topics that you might be interested in. There was so many events during the day when we were at sea that really I couldn't choose between some of them. There was just so many. And lots of different group gatherings. Because you're on for such a long time, and there were there was about 500 people that were staying on from one leg to the next, mm-hmm. you found people made really good friends with everybody on board, and they were just having informal gatherings, you know, even playing cards, or there was a big group of women and men that did knitting, and so they would get together. Um, but there was a lot of 
different things that they added that you wouldn't see on a normal sailing because it was such a long one that they were trying to come up with some interesting things to do. Were there any noteworthy like stage shows or magicians or illusionists on board? There was a huge group of uh, different entertainers, and what's lovely is that many of the ships, when they're in ports, especially if they're there a little bit longer, they will bring entertainers on board. So in Venice, for example, they brought on some um, opera singers. Um, they did the same in Livorno or for Florence and, and so forth. And unfortunately, you know, both Bernie and I didn't really attend many of the big production shows, one, because we've seen many of them, but two, again, we were just so tired and you had to get up the next morning really early. So we tended not to go to any of the big production shows. When we did the crossing, we did attend uh, a lot of the comedians. There was a couple of magicians, impressionists, and uh, it was nice because some of them I have gotten to know over the years. So it was really nice seeing them again. Cool. Let's talk about the Sea Day aboard Island Princess, or Sea Days, I should say, because as we know, one thing that defines a cruise ship is how it behaves at sea as far as passenger flow and all that, both inside and outside of the ship. So how were Sea Days for you on Island Princess? Well, amazingly, I never thought the ship was crowded, even with all those added berths. The only time I felt that it was crowded is if I tried to get a table in the dining room. But we found there was lots of areas of a beautiful atrium with lovely couches everywhere and lots of areas because their deck um, six and deck seven are both public decks. Mm -hmm. So from the atrium all the way aft, you have nice couches and chairs and tables and stuff that you can sit around and lounge. And we never really felt that it was, crowded. And although it was uh, late October uh, all the way to late November when we were on board, the weather was extremely nice. And many people would be out by the pool, uh, maybe not suntanning initially, but for some of the ports, we certainly were able to be out there enjoying the lovely weather and being in the pools, especially when we got to some of the southern um, Greek islands and, and so forth. Cool. Uh, What ports did you hit on this? Uh, Well, you did two of them, but let's do the first one. What ports did you hit on the the Rome to Venice leg? Okay, we started out in Venice, and we ended up in Livorno for Florence, and then we went to um, Cannes, and then Corsica, and then Naples. Jeez, you're going to really get me thinking here. Uh, Then we were in Venice. We were in Venice. For the first leg, you stayed overnight, and then people got off the next day, Mm -hmm. and then we were again another night. So we actually had two full nights, almost three days in Venice. Oh, nice. Uh, Dubrovnik. We were supposed to stop at Istanbul, and uh, that was kind of interesting because we ended up finding out that it was their national election, and they were expecting some uprising, so they decided to cancel the port and move it to Santorini, which was great. Mm -hmm. But then the next day, we get a notice saying, well, because of busyness in the ports, they were moving us to Athens on the day we were supposed to be in Santorini, and the Athens day was going to be Santorini. So uh, it was a bit of a a little, you know, a little juggling, but you get to expect this. And it was nice because this way we got to go to Santorini, and that was one of the ports we hadn't anticipated. We went to Mykonos, uh, Salerno. We went back to Rome uh, for a port stop, and we stopped again in Toulon. We stopped. Uh, Livorno again. Then we started making our crossing or on our way, Barcelona, Portugal, and the Azores, and then Fort Lauderdale. Okay, very nice. So, so you make your way after, let's see, uh, 
12 and 19 is 31, 31 I think. Days, yeah. yeah, okay. Uh, after 31 days on the ship, it's time to get off the ship. How was disembarkation in Fort Lauderdale for you? Really quite smooth. We anticipated it a bit more of a, a delay because, you know, it was the first time the ship was coming back into the United States. So often it goes through a little bit more um, customs inspections and stuff. But mm-hmm. they were the only ship in port, you know, one of the big ships in port. And they were ahead of schedule. In fact, we were just kind of lounging around because we weren't in real any real rush to get off. And uh, they were like a half an hour early. Once you got it to Fort Lauderdale, did you do any post-cruise nights or did you get back home? Yeah, it was your um, American Thanksgiving the next day. So we had um, we we knew we had to get home to get back to work because we didn't have any more vacation. But we had a later flight. So we ended up um, doing what they do is called their easy check. So we had our bags checked through Princess for a small fee. I think it was $20 U.S. And then they take the bags the night before the cruise. Ends and you don't see them until you get back to your home port or, okay. or for us, Vancouver. So we ended up walking off. We walked over to 17th Street, got some coffee, had a bit of a lunch, and then just grabbed a taxi to the airport because our flight wasn't until 3 p.m. That baggage service, especially if you don't live or your car is not parked there, that valet service mm-hmm. is so convenient. Yeah, and did you know they don't charge you for an overweight cost? Really? So, I did not know that. <laughs> yes, well, at least. With Princess, it even clearly states there because they don't weigh your bag. They just send it through. And mm-hmm. uh, so you don't have to worry too, too much. You do have to pay whatever bag fees uh, you would. So in our case, at that time, it would have been a $25 bag fee plus the $20 for the easy check. So for $45, yeah, that was easy peasy. And, you know, we would have had to pay the 25 anyhow. Is the uh, easy check, is that per bag or per cabin or per person? It's per cabin. Okay. Yeah, so it was only $20 for us plus our bag fees. That's awesome. Wow, very cool. When closing, Vicki, do you have any first-time tips for people who are sailing on Island Princess? Well, I think my biggest tip for the Island Princess is, you know, go with the flow. You're going to find some crowdedness when you're probably going to the dining room. Now, I wouldn't necessarily not do any time dining, but be prepared that it you may have weights or you might want to go somewhere else. You're going to have to read when the prime time is and kind of go off, you know, kind of work your way around that or make a reservation for uh, a dining time if that's what you want. Cool. That's probably my biggest advice. And what are your final thoughts on Island Princess? I certainly wouldn't turn it down, but if I had a choice between that and another ship, I would probably choose the other ship, sadly. And I'm pretty sure that even Princess has decided not to go forward with changes to the coral that were similar. So I'm hoping they put in an international cafe that might help out a little bit, but sadly, I probably wouldn't go back on it. And I'm not usually a negative person. (laughs) No, you're not at all. So that's why I'm surprised to hear you say that. But hey, it's the truth, so... Uh, well, very nice. Hey, earlier in the interview, you said you were celebrating an anniversary. What were you celebrating? It was uh, Bernie and my 20th anniversary in the summer of 2015. Nice. So, again, we can't take vacation very easily in the summer, so we planned it for the fall. 
That's very cool. Did you hit a milestone yourself this year for a birthday or last year? Yeah, in August I had celebrated my 50th birthday um, along with Princess, so I sailed um, <laughs> Alaska for my 50th. That's awesome. We've been talking with Vicki Bone. Her and her husband just returned from a really long Mediterranean cruise aboard Island Princess. You can catch Vicki on Facebook, Cruising Princess Cruise Line with Vicki, or check out her blog. We'll link to it in the show notes at cruiseradio.net. It's Vicki and Bernie travel.blogspot.com. I know it's a mouthful, so we'll link to it there. And that is also Vicky with an I-E, not Y, correct? Yeah, and it's .ca for Canada and not .com. So. It's working for me right now. I'm looking at it. Vicky oh, and really? Bernie oh, Travel. Wow. Okay. Yeah, we're not Maybe completely unfriendly to Canadians. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, I learned right. something new. Absolutely. Well, uh, Vicki, I uh, thank you for the time and this detailed review of Island Princess. And uh, I look forward to talking to you really soon. Thanks, Doug. Always nice talking to you. You're listening to Cruise Radio, part of the iHeartRadio Talk Network. For over 42 years, Park West Gallery has introduced over 1.3 million people to fine art. Here's what actual customers are saying. I've been collecting with Park West five, six years now. Six years. Nine years. Ten years. Everybody we meet at Park West makes you feel comfortable. You're part of their family. It is an exciting and fun experience. It is enjoyable, uplifting. Park West has been so kind to us. Park West makes us excited to spend money on art. To find out more about Park West Gallery, visit parkwestgallery.com or go to cruiseradio.net and click on the Park West Gallery icon. From its rich heritage, picturesque beaches, and unparalleled blue waters, it's no wonder over 7 million people cruise to the Caribbean every year. What do you want to do? Swim with stingrays at Stingray Bay? Go for an island tour. Take a beach break. Or set sail on a catamaran to spend the day snorkeling. Whatever you decide, CruisingExcursions.com has a shore excursion to fit your budget. Cruising Excursions knows your time on the island is limited and that you want to make the most of your day. That's why they have shore excursions up to 60% cheaper than the cruise lines and offer smaller, more personable tours. Find out for yourself. Research and book your next shore excursion at CruisingExcursions.com. We'd love to hear your comments. Email comments at cruiseradio.net. We always like to get your questions here on the show. If you have a question you'd like to ask, send me an email, comments at cruiseradio.net. Today, we're talking all about Mediterranean shore excursions because a lot of ships coming out in the next couple months, uh, Holland America's Koningsdom, uh, also Carnival Vista, and about a half a dozen others uh, in the Med itself. So with that said, we have Shelly from CruisingExcursions.com on the line right now to field some of your Mediterranean questions. Hi, Shelly. Hi, Doug. How are you? Good. Now, uh, jumping right in here, I'm going to tell you I did fail French in high school. So I might butcher the names of these cities, so just don't hold that against me, okay? Oh, uh, absolutely, I won't. It says we are going to Marseille on Carnival Vista on June 30th, 2016, and I'm trying to find a tour that goes to Cassis and Aix-en-Provence. Do you have any suggestions? Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're two of the most popular areas when visiting sort of the, you know, the south of France. So um, what we did is actually combine a tour that takes you to Aix-en-Provence and Cassis in one day, and it gives you a highlighted sort of vision of the area. So you'll go to both of those villages. They're two of the most famous villages in the area, so you can't really ignore them. And it'll also give you time to sort of 
immerse yourself in the villages. Who doesn't like village life in the south of France, picking up some cheese from the farmer's market and having a little mooch and going souvenir shopping? So it certainly ticks those boxes for the customers on the Vista. I will tell you this, Shelley. Uh, when I was on Carnival, I think it was Sunshine, or maybe it was Carnival Breeze like three years ago or so, I did get a chance to check out Axon Provence uh, by myself through a personalized tour. And mm-hmm. like you were saying, the, the local fresh organic markets there, plus they have some pretty good bars in the area. I won't lie about that either. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. I mean, who can't go to the south of France and have a little tipple whilst on holiday? Absolutely. Well, it's funny because uh, the ladies that were with me, they're all like, we're going shopping. I'm like, you see that bar right there? I will be there when you get back. Just look for me. I mean, you have to test the wine. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, take advantage <laughs> of some Wi-Fi. The bar has free Wi-Fi too, right? <laughs> well, it depends which bar you go to, I suppose, or how much wine you've drunk. But yeah, look out for the free Wi-Fi. As long as you don't start drunk texting, right? <laughs> uh, our next question says, we have a wonderful trip coming up in April and are hoping to get some advice for places to see and some best ways of getting around while in Messina. We're thinking about a trip to Etna. The ship docks at 8 and departs at 5, so I'm not sure if we'll have enough time to see Etna. Any input is greatly appreciated. Seven hours is plenty of time to be able to go on a full-day tour. It is quite a sort of small area. So we have an amazing essential collection tour, which means that you are fully guided and also shared with other passengers. So you get to have the little chit-chat about your cruise and the area and everywhere you've visited, which makes the day go so much quicker. But um, the guide will show you all of the lava fields, the incredible landscape, and the, you know, best active volcano really in Europe. So you can't really go to Messina without going to, you know, the slopes of Etna. And then in the afternoon, you also go to Taormina, which for any Godfather uh, fanatic (laughs) is where, you know, the Godfather films were filmed and located. And it's also home to a Roman Greek theatre as well. So plenty to keep you sort of entertained throughout the day. And um, you have to go to Etna Slopes. You can't go all that way to the Mediterranean and not go and visit it. When I was in Terramina, everybody was selling Godfather souvenirs. I'm like, okay, there's a little trend here. It was either cannolis or Godfather uh, souvenirs. You <laughs> kind of just pick what you want and you just keep walking. But And Mount Etna, just wow. Like We saw it whenever we pulled in on the ship and then driving right up next to it on, on the way to Terramina was just so mm-hmm. cool. Like If you're going to... To Sicily. It is Sicily, right? Down there in the south end of Italy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're going to Sicily, that's definitely, you do want to check out Mount Edna there. Next question here it says Looking for an excursion that would go to Pompeii, we will be in port for 11 hours. Any help? Absolutely. You know, for 11 hours, you can do so many things. It's nice to see sometimes that when you do go to a destination, you do have a little bit longer in port rather than just a few ha- you know, a few hours here and there. But again, our essential collection tours, our shared fully guided tours, is the one that I would recommend you know, for visiting Pompeii. And the reason being is that the guides are so informative that rather than just looking at something, you actually have an understanding, which is so important for a destination such as Pompeii. It's so historical. I mean, it goes without saying that um, many people don't get to see a lot of history in sort of their everyday life. So to go somewhere so ancient, to be able to you know, experience how important it was to civilization, really, more than anything else. And it's you know, spread throughout every country worldwide now. The stories are just immense, so you should always go there with a, you know, with a guide. 
and um, we have a tour which is called Pompeii, Sorrento and Positano View. So you have the culture in the morning, all the very historical, amazing stories to sort of immerse yourself in whilst you're in Pompeii. But then you also get to see all of the beautiful backdrop of Sorrento. So the views at Positano, I'm not sure if you've been there, Doug, I'm sure you have, Mm -hmm. but the views are, you know, to die for. So you get to have lots of photographs to take back and show all your family and friends. So it's definitely one I would recommend. Yeah, and the lemon cell is really good too there. Well, I did come home when I went there uh, with a lovely recipe that I bring out every Christmas. It is amazing. Ooh, you're, you're holding out. You'll have to share that recipe with me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I will. Awesome. Next question. It says, hi, my family is booked on Royal Caribbean's Harmony of the Seas next July. I understand the port is about one and a half hours from Rome. Our main goal is to spend a lot of time at the Colosseum. Would you suggest we take some kind of excursion? Just want to make sure we can make the most out of our long day, but not spend a fortune getting there. That's actually a really good question because I think a lot of cruise passengers don't really fully understand just how far away Rome is sometimes from the port of Civitavecchia. It can be, you know, up to 150 euros in a taxi if you just decide you're going to do your own thing from the port. Port area really does only have, you know, some cafes and some bars. So it's kind of like, say, for example, an English person such as myself saying that they know the whole of America by, you know, just visiting San Diego for just one day. Right. It's a completely different aspect. So I would always have a pre-booked tour for the port of Civitavecchia to take you into Rome because it works out much less expensive than even just trying to get a taxi. But Colosseum is amazing. Um, the Rome Complete Tour that we offer on our website is probably one of the best ways to see Rome, purely because it sort of goes to the Colosseum, the Trevi Fountain, the Spanish Steps, the Pantheon, Piazza Navona, St. Peter's Square, and of course the Vatican as well. You get to go over and spend some time in St. Peter's Basilica. So definitely it kind of ticks all those boxes. And that's the one that I would recommend. You know, and when you're going over to Europe, it's very important for the listeners to know this, is that Europe isn't one of those places like the Caribbean where you can get off the ship and kind of find something to do. Because usually the sites are miles, if not dozens of miles away from where the ship docks. I made that first mistake Mm -hmm. whenever the ship was calling in Rome. My buddy Matt and I were saying, you know what, we'll just kind of get off the ship, go over to the Colosseum and all this. Wrong. Like the ship, the uh-huh. uh, port was like in an industrial area. And like the listener just asked or told us, Rome was an hour and a half away. So, yeah, we wound up just sitting at the port pretty much all day, wasting a whole day in Rome. And then the, the two times I returned back since then, I just kept kicking myself for not doing my research beforehand. Well, absolutely. It's just so far away. And um, I mean, of course, people can get off and uh, have a walk around. But there's really nothing to see in the port of Civitavecchia. It is just a couple of, you know, it's a working town, a working industrial town. It's just it's not set up for tourists, let's say. Yeah, moral of the story, you won't see the Colosseum from the cruise ship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Our, our last question here, Shelley, it says, we are a family of four looking for a personalized tour in Rome. Do you have any suggestions for this? Absolutely. We have a luxury tour for Rome, which guarantees that you are with a minimum of eight passengers. So from sort of a size perspective, 
you would gain very much more from the day to be in a smaller party. Places like the Trevi Fountain, for example, if you're going past there with your tour guide, you're also going past there with 3,000 other tourists. Mm -hmm. It can be very difficult to sort of have that quality of information from your guide if you're in a very, very large group. So for a more personalized touch, I'd always try and sort of go for a more intimate tour with a limited number of passengers. And, you know, our luxury tour also includes Wi-Fi and a two-course lunch. So the best pizza I ever ate was when I went to Rome. I know that. So uh, it's definitely one to take a look at if you want it to look a bit more personalized. I love the personalized tours. We did a personalized one in Dubrovnik uh, when we were there two years ago. And mm-hmm. it's you, you get to do more of just the sites that the, the overall city tours that the lines offer. You actually can venture outside of the main city. And the cool thing about taking a personalized tour in Dubrovnik for me was whenever we went to the city walls, we had like rock star parking and like VIP entrance, whereas <laughs> the cruise line passengers look like little ants climbing a hill. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, I mean, it does. It gives you a whole different perspective, doesn't it, when you, um, you know, get into a smaller group and you are able to get that little bit closer to everywhere and touch and feel things a little bit more than you would do in a, in a larger group. If you have any shore excursion questions, feel free to shoot me an email and we can pass them on to Shelley. Just email me, comments at cruiseradio.net. We've been talking with Shelley over at cruisingexcursions.com. If you want to learn about any of the excursions we talked about today, I'll go ahead and link those in the show notes at cruiseradio.net. Shelley, God bless you. Thanks for being on the show and have a good weekend. You too, Doug. Have a great weekend. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Cruise Radio is produced weekly at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Hear Cruise Radio on iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Overseas Radio Network, iTunes, or at CruiseRadio.net. For sales and marketing opportunities, email sales at CruiseRadio.net. I'm your announcer.